You're listening to Eric Rogel Talks with Warriors, Lovers, Kings, and Heroes, where you'll hear real stories of the journey to modern manhood, told by the men who lived them. Raw, real, and 100% unapologetic. And now, here is your host, Eric Rogel. Hey, this is Eric Rogel, and thanks for joining us on Warriors, Lovers, Kings, and Heroes. This is where each week you'll hear real stories of the journey to modern manhood told by the men who live them. And today I have another full roundtable episode for you. If you remember, my roundtables are where I get a group of my friends together, and they're men from all different walks of life, and they're all men dedicated to continually bettering themselves. I get them together after an interview to discuss what my guests talked about and get their insights and takeaways from the episode and to find out what hit them the most and what they're going to use in their own lives going forward. Now, I like doing this because there's always some insight or some valuable little nugget that I miss in an episode. And also because these men are so different with such different upbringings and lives, what they get out of the interview can be very, very different than what I get out of it. So it allows me to see deeper into what my guest said. And it also helps the men who join the discussion. It helps their growth as men because every week they're gathering more information and looking deeper at themselves. They're learning from the guest and from each other. So this week, eight of us got together to talk about the interview I had with Jared Elmar. If you haven't listened to it yet, make sure to do that. It's episode 10. It's titled Courage and Belief Beats All Odds to Create Wealth and Success. And there's so many things about this episode that are inspiring. In fact, I've gotten more feedback on this episode than on most others. And I feel it's because so many men can relate to Jared's story of fighting his way out of his situation and making a success of himself in spite of everything stacked against him. See, Jared is a self-made guy who came from absolutely nothing. His father passed away when he was seven. His mother became an alcoholic. She moved up to Atlanta for a couple years and then came back and sent Jared to live with his grandfather. And they lived in a tiny 300-square-foot apartment in a very rough neighborhood. Jared got in trouble with the law. Now, nothing serious, but enough to spend a short time in county jail. He also dropped out of high school. He never let any of that make him a victim. He had drive, determination, and most of all, a strong belief that he could one day be a millionaire. And that was instilled in him by his grandfather. So eventually, Jared made millions in real estate. He lost most of it during the crash in 08, but then he built it back up and made more than ever before. Now his mission now, what drives him, is he wants to leave a legacy. He wants to make $200 million in his lifetime and give $180 million of it away. He teaches his family about charity, giving to others, which is something he learned from his grandfather. One thing that I really loved when I talked to Jared was that he never felt that he was a victim any time in his life. He loved his experience growing up and appreciated everything that happened to him. He embraces it as part of who he is and what made him who he is today. The men of the roundtable had a lot to say about Jared's interview, and joining me for this roundtable are John Archer. He's a former corporate guy who's now an entrepreneur and is also a key member of my WLKH podcast team. I have Tom Byrne. He's an entrepreneur, CEO, and business advisor, and he's a married father of three grown women. Barry Weinberg joins us. He's a chiropractor and life mastery coach. We have Doug Cerny, an attorney and entrepreneur. Also, Frank Antonucci, who's a sales executive at one of the top marketing solutions companies in the country. 
Alex Borges, who's a former Marine, and he now runs Warrior Workshops through his company, Sovereign Self-Defense. And leading us off for this roundtable is Mark Haney, a former top corporate sales trainer who's now a life mastery coach. When I was listening to it, I uh, opened up the Sacred Seven, and I just put my attention on the, the Sacred Seven. And so as I was listening to it, then it would be, you know, I would just feel the ones that came up. and there were three that stood out for me, courage, commitment, and duty. There's so many, whether you call them startups or entrepreneurs today, that they just get in and they start doing stuff. They get an idea as a way to make money and they do it. And that's why, because he had mentioned challenges are no reason to give up. And that's what happens if you're just doing, you hit a challenge, you're not really that motivated. So he stays on it. But I also loved how he pointed out pain is a great motivator because pain is an awesome motivator. It's like, I think you guys mentioned it in there. It's like used to do a talk with the sales force that if you want to get somebody to move, it's fear or greed, pain or pleasure. And, you know, we see it all the time. Pain is what is used to motivate. And I mean, he and the guy had the pain. So I just thought that was really powerful. The other thing that really stood out to me was how he sought out help. He went and he got a mentor. I think from the masculine perspective, and I think you made this point too, is we just want to do everything ourselves. I'm aware of that in me of how I don't need help. I can do this all on my own. And that makes it a lot more difficult. And, you know, and you guys know, I mean, I've worked with mentors my whole life in business. But it's, it's a funny dynamic of when I'm working with someone, it's, I always have to really push myself to do it, to get the help. And then, of course, with the work that we do and the coaching and the leadership that we get from that and the training, it's just like totally changed my life. That's what came up on the Sacred Seven, the courage to seek out the help and the guidance to learn how to do it. Yeah, that's what well, I was going to say that came up, Mark. That's so important, that courage to actually say, hey... I'm going to go find, I don't know what to do. I know I have to do this. And I'm going to go approach people that know more than I do that are ridiculously successful and say to them, Hey, can you help me in my career? Yes. When you said commitment and duty, the thing with commitment and duty also is it wasn't just to leave that legacy, but it was to himself and to his family also. This guy takes fatherhood very seriously. And he doesn't just, he's not just going to lackadaisically raise his daughter. The things that really stood out for me was how he mentioned how they took her back and showed them where they grew up and where they came from, giving her a real life perspective of this is where you came from. And then how he was saying that he gets her out and he takes her to do like the Ninja Warrior courses and stuff. So, and we touched on this a little bit in the last round table, but actually taking your kids and spending time with them and doing things is just, it's, I mean, that's such great leadership. But then how he talks with her about her day, you know, at the end of the day, he talks to her and it's like, yeah, grades are important, but what happened on the playground today? How did you handle yourself? That's masculine fatherly leadership. What's really fulfilling for me as a stepdad is I'm up early in the morning. And when she gets up, she'll, some morning she'll come down at five in the morning and she'll just sit down on the couch 
and she'll ask me to turn off the, the news and she'll say, let's talk. Yeah. And it's like, wow, man, I can't get to the remote fast enough to get that off. Because for me, that just, that makes me feel, makes me just feel really expanded in the fact that she wants to do it. But it, it also encourages me to do more and spend more time with her because I see the effect that it's having on her life. Oh, great. Excellent. Big thing that jumped out to me, guys, I know you touched on, you know, his courage to, you know, seek help, seek, seek mentorship. But the big thing that stood out was his personal responsibility and self-reliance because, you know, coming from nothing, it's not as if somebody kind of reached down and, and pulled him out of the scenario he was in or gave him this opportunity on a silver platter to turn his life around. It was just on him I think when you asked Eric, you know, what was it that gave you that motivation? He even said, like, I don't know. I just knew there was something better than, than where I'm at right now. And he completely took it upon himself to better, better his, his life and then better the life for his, you know, his family now. Uh, and he touched on, you know, everybody in the world could find some sort of crutch, some bigger, you know, some bigger than others. And there's validity to you know, some of those challenges, but the second you buy into them, you're done. And, you know, I mean, all of us know buying into that victim mentality is probably the most detrimental thing you could do to your life. Um, and then the, to the extreme example of that, I kind of laughed when he said it because it was so, it was powerful to me of, he was like, I'm lucky I grew up the way I did. You know, you guys were talking about luck and he was like, I'm lucky I grew up the way I did. Like that was a, that was amazing to me for him to, to have that point of view, that, that was awesome. The contrast between looking at it as being lucky and looking at it as being a victim was so stark in what he said. Mm -hmm. Because it's so, I mean, out of my own personal thing, the habit is to look at it like, well, that was just shitty, so victim. And he was like, no, man, that was luck. So, so go ahead, Doug, I didn't want to jump on it. No, that's good, that's good. Now, I following more detail, there's a point there where he says, yeah, as a kid growing up, it sucked. I mean, it's so many different ways. He says uh, he hated being an only child. He hated not having any real family. He hated, he wished he had a bit more of a structure and there was no structure whatsoever. So as a kid, it sucks. And then he says, but now I look back, geez, it was the greatest thing that ever happened. I thought it was fantastic the way he just is into re remembering the misery, feeling that misery, but appreciating it's what he went through that he pulled out from and said, okay, I'm never going back to that, but I appreciate where I came from and I'm going to make sure people like my daughter appreciate that she has better opportunities, but she also needs to make sure she's responsible and she's independent and she knows how to get along with people and how to handle adversity. It's really cool to see that, that, perspective of boy it really sucked it really sucked it really sucked boy look at how much it made me who i am <laughs> yeah i want to quote him following what doug said he said i kind of feel bad sometimes for the second and third generation guys with structured families and money and never having to want they don't <clears throat> they don't feel the same euphoria when things go well like somebody who really scratched and clawed and had nothing but challenges growing up I thought that was awesome. And then he goes, that's what gave me my grit and my determination were the challenges. 
And, um, you know, I didn't have the same, same childhood he had. I had good parents that supported me. But my dad, if I wanted my first guitar, if I wanted my first car or whatever I wanted to get, my dad would say, you got hands, work. And I have to go out and get a job if I wanted something. And that taught me work ethic. It taught me um, independence. And of course, I hated him for it when he did it because I knew he could get it for me. And I had to go work four months to get something. But that's what made me what I am today. And you know, kids that are handed everything on a silver platter, they don't have, they don't have the, you know, if you, if you don't put weights on your arms, you're not gonna build your muscle. You know, it's that stress, it's that stress, that challenge that causes you to grow, causes you to become stronger. And something else that he said that I thought was really cool, just showing his idea of legacy of vision was he said, I can give plenty away now. But if I keep reinvesting that and keep parlaying that, think about how much more I could give later on. And I thought that was great. He's always thinking at the bigger picture, the bigger, the bigger vision, long-term versus short-term. Yeah, it's part yeah. of the whole, I could give a little now or give a lot later. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I, I felt that too, man, because I looked at like, wow, what do I do? And I go, oh, I want to just get this done now and not look at, well, how much more could I be doing in the future if I just build and build and build as I go forward. I think the interesting thing with, with Jared is, is that combination because I, I think what people can do is say, you know what, I'm going to wait till I'm really successful and have enough extra money and then I'll give. But I, I think the interesting thing about Jared is this kind of line where, yeah, he can reinvest again, the Warren Buffett example, he can make that money work better and give more. But at the same time, he's talking about the fact, you know, in the Jewish Federation contributions that he's been given since he's like 26 years old, when it kind of hurt, when he didn't have the extra money. And referencing back to his grandfather that, you know, did his best, just like his mom and his dad did his best. But that example that, you know, he made $1,500 in his uh, you know, it'd be army pension and social security, but he'd give $20 away, uh, you know, each month, which doesn't sound like a ton of money, but when you're living on $1,500 and you're giving away really important. So I, I think going back to that legacy, I think he's really appreciated the fact of these little life lessons that he learned early in his life. He didn't have everything, but he does reference back, you know, I think with a lot of admiration and respect that he always had love for all of their shortcomings His, you know, the parents, uh, you know, the grandfather love was always there. Um, the money may not have been there. Uh, the companionship may not have been there, but the love was, but it, yeah, I just want to go back to that point of giving. And as Mark mentioned early on, this duty uh, to duty to kind of give more, than you have. And again, as he said at the end, uh, I think at the end of the interview, it's not about, um, you know, the money you're making, but the difference you're making as, you know, one of these kind of core values. Again, to me, that goes really back to duty, conviction, uh, and a focus on a bigger picture. Yeah. And what I would add to that too, because as you guys were talking about that, what came up for me very, when you were talking about how he was raised, was the contrast between how he and Paul Sr. were raised and the differences in how they raised their kids. I mean, he's still raising his daughter now. 
And then to your point, Tom, what came up around that was the power we, I mean, influence is not money. We think influence is money. I have to make money. But when, when you're listening to him talk about how his grandfather, who was a role model to him, how he would say, okay, I'm going to carve out a little bit of money, even though I'm not making a lot of money and I'm going to give back how that stuck with them. And that's, that's what I think is a great takeaway. And it certainly is for me is it's like the, the power of influence that we have on people when we think we don't. And I mean, that's kind of like the purpose of the podcast, you know, is role models and, you know, creating that masculine, bringing the masculine back for lack of a better term, but we influence every day. It's how do we decide to influence and be deliberate about it? Yeah. You know what, Mark, what I think is interesting because this just came up for me as you were saying that about his grandfather and how he carved out a little bit of money, but it's almost like his grandfather's influence in having Jared want to give away millions over his life really comes back to the grandfather. So it's almost like the grandfather created those millions to be given back. Yes. That's exactly what I was just feeling was it was like, and the thing is, is we don't always see the influence. And his grandfather created all of this by being a positive influence on him, died when he was young, but how he showed up with that boy was critical. And then he took it and he took it to the next level. And we don't always see it come back. We don't see the end result. So the takeaway is always be, follow your, your um, you know, like the sacred seven, follow your ideals and be the best man, like from last week's episode, be the best man you can be because people are going to pick up on it and it's going to go well beyond what you've done. We talk about the grandfather a lot. That was one of the things that stood out for me the most. He says at the beginning, he was homeschooled with, uh, I think, common sense, logic, street smarts. And then his grandfather gave him the magazines and told him, hey, these guys are making, you know, 50 grand a year, but you, you know, you could he could make 50 million if you want. It was like all these kind of influences from his grandfather. And that kind of made me look back on my grandparents and just kind of feel a little bit of regret there, how I wasn't very close with my grandparents. Like I saw them during holidays and things like that, but I never had that type of relationship with my grandparents like he had with his grandfather. And, and I think one of the things that I want to you need know, to take away from that is just to one get with my father a little bit more and he, my father's about the age my grandfather was when I was, you know, in my early twenties and just really kind of ask him questions and, and things and learn more from him and, and kind of take a little bit more advice from him. And then also inspire my, my nephews and my nieces uh, around really getting a relationship with their grandfather, you know, my father and the importance of that. It just really stuck out for me. And, and even when he, was looking at the things he could do with his daughter and, and saying, Hey, I'm not interested in your grades. I'm interested about, you know, how you interact with people at school and what you've learned. It's just passing along that, Hey, common sense, logic and street smarts that he was taught. And the, the whole grandfather thing, just, that was the biggest thing I took away from that whole episode and just realizing how important the wisdom and experience of our grandparents and of the, of the people that have gone through things before us can be. But look at your influence, John. And it's like when you talk about your nieces and nephews, yeah, encourage them to get with their grandfather, but you can build that relationship 
and be a powerful influence. It doesn't have to be based on what your role is in, in the in the family, right? It's like sure, you're a absolutely. powerful influence, and it's like we all are, but we sell ourselves short, thinking, "Well, who am I? What am I doing? I'm not that." But no, that's that was the takeaway from his grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The thing that the thing that uh, stuck out for me too j around what you guys are talking about with the influence of his grandfather was he pointed out a couple times that you know his grandfather would instill these lessons in him when he was young, but it didn't click. I think was the word he used until later on, and I actually found that encouraging. I think you know my son's five, and there's there's these like big life lessons I try to instill in him, and you know you don't get you don't get the you know, maybe the response that you, you think you'll get, you know, at that age, but it, it, the encouragement to just stay committed, to keep teaching them the, those lessons, embed that in them, knowing that at some point, maybe it's not now, maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's 20 years from now, but at some point that's going to click and stay committed to, to instilling those lessons no matter what. Yeah, I love that, Frank. And you know what, what it also brings up for me, John, as you were talking about you know, the influence of wanting to do that with your nieces and nephews. The one thing that I got too was that it wasn't like this advice was coming from a grandfather who was a millionaire himself, right? Had, had used these things that he was talking about. And, you know, you talk about it clicking, he very easily could have said like, well, I'm looking at you and you're not a millionaire. So how can you tell me that yeah. men are millionaires? Yeah. Right. But it was the grandfather's beingness and how it came out that yeah. really hammered home that message. Yeah, and he didn't say, when you make a certain amount of money, give. It's your duty to give back. And he he played that out for him. Yeah. Yep, I agree, yep. Yeah, Eric, along those, those lines, you know, I, I thought something really interesting, and I, I've been through this um, myself, personally, having not come from, from money, um, he talked about, how he made money. And then in 2008, I'm assuming at that time, he basically lost it all. And there's a couple key things in there. One, this perception that it's a lot harder to have money and then lose it than to not have it at all. And, and, and that may sound like, oh, that's a really highfalutin uh, concept, but, but it, is, it is true. Um, but I think the other part of it is it's like that, you know, when you fall down, do you um, become a victim and say, okay, it wasn't me. It was all a fluke. Um, or do you step up and say, okay, you know what? I made it. I made it, you know, either I lost it or external forces lost it and then get back up. And, you know, to me, that is the true, you know, measure of a man because things don't go perfectly. You know, sometimes you're overly aggressive, you shoot for the stars and you, know, you fuck up or something happens sometimes outside of your control. So the measure is, you know, can you maybe sit back, maybe you sulk a little bit and you get in your little victim mode, but do you pick yourself up and, and move beyond? I think going back to this conversation we just had about his grandfather and all he's learned, I think the thing that he didn't draw the direct parallel, but he did talk about how his grandfather is successful early on in his career, but he lost it. And it just, I forget the term he said, he, uh, he used, but it, it kind of killed him in a way. And I really see Jared coming back and saying, okay, I'm not going to let that happen to me. I believe that 
you know, I created this, I can do it again. And in essence, you know, he has, um, which is really powerful because again, things don't go perfect. Um, you know, things that you don't expect, whether it be financially related, relationship related, family related, whatever the case might be, things come up and you have to deal with it um, and move forward and not, you know, cower under the pressure and think that, um, you know, somebody's out to get you or it's some external force that's beyond your control. That's what it comes down to, external force, external anything. It's very easy yeah. for us to go, well, I had it, I lost it. I never deserved it. I'm not good enough for it. I'm a victim. I'm not even going to try. It wasn't any of that. It was, I made this. I did this once before. I can do it again. Yeah, and I really liked where you made that point about, you know, people aren't really looking at you about what you did in the past or how you screwed up. It's like, where are you going, right? Where am I going to? What's my, what's my vision? And, you know, you, you, I think you said something short of, you know, committing some major crime or hurting somebody, all is forgiven, you know, keep moving forward. And, and that just felt to not only inspiration to keep on going forward in times of failure, but also the forgiveness of yourself too. It's like these failures that you think are so bad and you're this horrible person or for whatever you did, you know, forgive yourself and move on. Yeah. I also kind of see, you know, cause we go with the title, the uh, warrior lover, King and heroes. Right. And I like the, I, what I feel in, in Jared is the warrior and the hero. And that when he lost it all and he fought like a warrior to get it back, but he was the hero because he believed in himself and he said, no, I did it before I did it again. And he even brought that point up. And the conversation was he knew a lot of guys that made a lot of money, but then they never had the, the courage to try again because they didn't really believe they just thought they were lucky and he didn't really believe in it. So yeah, I could just feel how it was like, man, he, he really believed in himself. He knew how hard he worked. He knew he did it. He believed in it. He did it again. He even said there's no gray area to it. People either charge forth after they have a challenge or they quit. He said there's really no gray area between the two. Yeah, and you know, part of it too was he had just had his daughter. He says this in the thing too, right? In the interview, he says, you know, it was 09 and, you know, my business had just collapsed and then I have a daughter. And it was supposed to be this joyous thing. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, what do I do now? Right. So I really do feel that warrior in there, too, because, you know, there's that point where he could have said, like, you know, I got a family. I, I just lost my business. I don't have any money. Fuck it. I'm out. Right. I'm going to bounce or give up. But instead, of, nope, I have this family I'm responsible to now. I'm committed to them. It's my duty. Right. We go back to commitment and duty. Yeah. Courage and go back and just say, hey, listen, no, I got to get this shit done. There's no. You know, burn the ships. There's no turning back. I've got to go forward. I've got to get this done. And I, I admire that a lot. Yeah, if it's on me, I'm going to get it done. Yeah, the other thing I, I, I'd say, Eric, is, you know, towards the end is um, he, he certainly has that, that work ethic. And I think that point that, you know, a lot of people think they get lucky you know, or they're waiting for that luck. And, you know, Champions of the people who, quote, get lucky are the people who are working hard. The point of that is you get out there, you, you work, you take some chances, you create your luck. And that's what I see him doing. He's continually fighting, moving forward. And if you do that, 
you create the opportunities. Again, it's just that feeling that I'm not waiting for luck. I'm not waiting for opportunity to come to me. I'm going to go create that opportunity. I'm going to create that luck and, you know, move forward. Tom, when you brought that up about, um, you know, we were just saying about the work ethic and everything. For me, it came back to ownership, right? He owned it. And it's, it's a lot of, for a lot of us, it's owning our failures as well as owning our successes. And there's a quote that he says in the interview, and I, and I looked it up, it came from Earl Nightingale. He said, you know, everyone is self-made. It's only the successful people who admit it. And that just comes down to me not owning the failures as well as owning the successes. And I think it's important for him where looking back at his childhood and everywhere he came up, he owns that part of it too. And it's part of how it made him go forward. Losing his business is part of what made him go forward. And so, you know, he's self-made all the way around. And that, and that was one of the things that really struck me too. Yeah, well, you see, but that's where he started too, because he said it was his upbringing and what he didn't have that drove him. It was almost like he created it, the failure to do it again. Yeah, to that point, Eric, too, of, of only the successful admit it, I think that kind of ties into what he said about giving, where he was like, a lot of people give and remain anonymous, where he makes sure that it's known that, he's, that he is giving, not for the attention, but to set that example, for people to see that he is, he is you know, walking the walk, setting that example. He makes sure that people know that that's what he does. Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate that too. I mean, that's, that's a big thing when you do it coming, not like you said, not from ego, because it's very easy to do that from ego. And I've se we've seen a lot of people do this. They give a lot of money. They call a press conference. They do a giant check. It's all about, look how much I gave. But I think you're right in that it's, it's more of, hey, here I am as an example, as a man, paving the way and follow my example, right? Do as I do. So, yeah. For me, what hit me is I was very similar. I, I, I listen to all these and I see a lot of similarities. And, but, but this one in particular of like alcoholic parents and then somebody else raising them and giving, you know, um, leadership or guidance or something like that. Yeah. Um, not that I had that leadership and guidance on my end, but I'm being that for my kids. Like, look, you can come from this, but if you work hard, stay diligent, ambitious, you can achieve X in the world, if you will. And I've had a lot of judgment on myself for not being to the level where I thought they would listen to me. Okay. So if I make 5 million, then it'll validate my point. And, uh, then you'll listen to me more or I'll have more value. And it realizes like information and just what's right is right. And I don't have to judge my own personal monetary state because the granddad was, you know, basically broke and, you know, barely getting by, but what he stilled into him had extreme value, you know? So it's, it just, it was a healing process for me to hear that, like, wow, you know, I don't have to be the ultra millionaire to pass on value. It's being valuable and being worth regardless of what it says on the scoreboard. Correct. Exactly. Or what's in your exactly. wallet. Yeah. Or yeah. What's in your wallet, what's on the scoreboard, something like that. So and where I'm just, you know, how much value I've already provided by being the example of overcoming all of that. And I've pushed the goalpost, you know, kicked it down the road. The, the, the generational value is already there. You know what I mean? If I, if I checked out tomorrow, I've already done it. You know, my accomplishment is there. I've moved generationally from alcoholics and drug addicts to like, wow, let's talk about being millionaires, you know? 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just it is. It's about who you're being, right? Who you're being and what exactly. you're leaving. And that's the power exactly. of what we're doing. It's like all the guys on here, right? I know I don't feel like a big deal or a inspirational leader, but it's like this is the the value in the overall purpose of the podcast is that men have just extreme value to give with their story. Whatever you've done, people will relate to it and can grow from it. Just being yourself the most you can be, and you're going to change the world. You're going to influence others in a positive way. No, and I want to, um, I want to add to that, Mark, because that's important. And I think the other part of it is not just telling the stories, right? Because you can just tell the stories. The other side of it is what we're doing right now, which is getting together as men and discussing the stories and what you got out of it, right? Because it's not Agreed. just enough to tell your story. It's what impact does that story have? Because we all have different flavors yeah. of what was taken away from this story. I didn't yep. have the kind of upbringing that Jared had, but I did pull some things out of it from being in business and understanding what it is to have a business and lose it. Some of you had a similar upbringing to what he had and can and really see the value in that. So it's also telling the story and then diving deeper and not being, having the courage to dive deeper, I'll just say. Yep. Right. And yep. really my, look at how this impacted you. Yeah. My dad had an upbringing similar to what his was. So when I hear, and then he raised us much like what Jared's raising his kids. So what I can see is the value then in what that did. And I can see the sacrifice and everything more clearly from another perspective of what my dad went through to ensure that me and my brother and sister didn't go through that. Yeah. And through all this, what I'm really seeing too is the, the value of the duality in any, in any situation, you know, not everything's always going to be good. And the way you look at the failures, the things that don't go the way they should. And I think, you know, he puts that perfectly when he appreciates how he was brought up it's the duality if you don't have that you you don't have the appreciation for appreciation for the other side and you don't see it yeah it's the contrast it's like living right straight down the middle you know there's when you don't have that extreme and you don't have that experience of the highs and lows it, you it, it you kind of lose perspective i think on a lot because you don't have that contrast to go by absolutely anyone want to add anything before we wrap John pointed out something that I had, I had written down from the podcast as well about when Jared, when Jared talked about, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past, you know, barring some egregious, you know, type of type of crime or something like that, where it does not matter what you've done in the past. You need to forgive yourself, get over it. And not just, I, I think a lot of people that maybe had that really tough background, maybe only shoot for, you know, hey, I've had this horrible background, I could be still in poverty or whatever it is. But now I'm, you know, just even on a mundane nine to five, a non, you know, uh, you know, some sort of job that that's a win. And not that it's not that it's not. But what I took away from it was he pointed out that not only can not only does no matter what you've done in the past not matter, you can be whatever you want to be next. You know, all of that in the past is forgiven. And again, it's not just, hey, let's take, let's just take a step forward. You know, the, the inspiration, I think, from that, from that piece of the podcast of you can be whatever you want to be. Your past literally does not matter. Go get whatever you want.
Right. You define you. You make up your own definition. Your past doesn't define you. Your past failures, mistakes, even victories don't define you. It's who are you being and who do you decide to be. And to expand on that just a bit, when I recognize that I do things well and I make mistakes, when I look at my dad, much like he did his grandfather, right? He learned from what his grandfather did well, but he also learned from his grandfather's mistakes. But I don't have to look at those with a judgment of they did something wrong. They're just human like I am. They made a mistake. I can learn from mistakes that I've witnessed and make differences in my life because that's my power as a man to direct my life without the blame game. Yeah. Yeah. I think you had mentioned, you know, learn, learn what not to do as well from those, from those mentors and, and people you look up to. Yeah. I think to go, to go back to Frank's point, I think that point is that or one of the points is, you know, so he grew up in poverty. It's not that his grandfather sent the expectation or he felt that, okay, to be successful, you can make $50,000 a year. That would be success because we're starting at the bottom. His grandfather and he has lived a, hey, dream big. There are no limits. doesn't matter where you came from. Mm-hmm. We're in America. You have the same opportunity if you go out there and create that opportunity, which is, yeah, incredibly powerful. And, you know, Frank, glad you brought that up because that's uh, definitely a, a lesson in, in not capping what the potential is based on, you know, where you came from. And that's really a great lesson for us all to not limit our own potential, to not let where we came from or even where we are now limit what we believe we can accomplish. Now, before I thank the roundtable, I want to play you something one of the men, Alex, told us after we were done uh, talking for this session. Uh, It was about taking what he's learned being a part of this roundtable and having an impact on the people around him, how he was able to use information he got from past episodes to help a young man and his father who were going through a little bit of a troubling time. Here's Alex telling the story. So for me, guys, one, I want to uh, express, you know, what this is uh, also, one, not just this, um, just one podcast, but just being part of the group, what we're creating, all the podcasts, the roundtables, everything like that. I just left talking to a family, son is 15 years old, kind of violent in the house, doesn't want to go to school, these types of things. I've used a lot of what I've learned throughout this podcast journey, if you will, and just hearing other men's stories and just tapped into Hey, man, we all want the same thing for each other. You know, we all want everybody happy, successful. And this young man just felt so alone out there. Like, my parents don't hear me. They don't listen to me. And just expressing some of the things I learned here, uh, the dad and the son made a lot closer connection. Then they they all just realized, like, man, we want the same thing. We're just talking about it two different ways. And they each felt like their own little lonely sphere of influence, if you will, like, but separate. So I just want to express the impact is is immense, not just with me, but who I'm becoming, as we're talking about, to be more of an influence in the world. I really appreciated Alex sharing that because it shows the impact we have on each other as men, how we can take our own experiences and share them with other men and move them forward. So thank you, Alex. And thank you to all the men who joined me for the roundtable today. 
Uh, we're working on the new website uh, right now. We have a new version of the website coming up, and there will be a roundtable page. And I'm going to put all the bios up of the men of the roundtable with links to where you can find them so you can reach out to them too. So now I want to hear from you. What are you taking away from everything you heard today? What insights did you get from the roundtable that you didn't get when you first listened to the episode? Let me know. Uh, find me on social media. Links are on the website, wlkhpodcast.com. Click them and leave a comment for me. Also remember, please rate us, leave a review and a comment. And most importantly, make sure to share this with men you know will get value from it. I want to thank you for listening to Eric Rogel Talks with Warriors, Lovers, Kings, and Heroes today. I'm Eric Rogel, and I'm honored to be with you to be your brother on your hero's journey. Talk to you next time. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy, happy reading! reading.